Whoa. Good morning, good afternoon, good night. This is Connor Hallway of the Golden Hours Podcast. And hey, this is GDP Minute. Listen, just checking in. We've been in go mode. We've been in execution mode over here. We just ran an episode with Charles Rosa. And Charles is the second half of the top preliminary bout against Manny Bermudez at UFC Boston tomorrow. We're turning this episode out really quick. And so we had both fighters in this fight up on the podcast and hearing that their different perspectives about the fight were really cool because both fighters are in different stages of their careers. Charles is 13 and three and he's two and zero at the garden and he's from Peabody mass. And so it's two mass dudes fighting. Charles went to culinary school initially at Wu in Providence and then ended up shipping it down to Florida and he trained in Florida and he even mentioned dude training in Florida is a different beast you get a way different experience and you gain way more skills in Florida than you would in Massachusetts because the sport's way more developed down there <clears throat> Charles talked about a little bit of his strategy going into this fight his mindset why he wants to be a champion why he took a two-year layoff from the UFC he also, in terms of GDP value, talked about ageism in the U.S. Starting a career in your 20s is possible. He talked about growing the sport in Massachusetts. He also discussed the benefits of learning how to eat and learning how to cook because he's a chef and he's like, dude, this has helped me a ton. We talked a lot. His father was also in the building and Charles lost two of his brothers to addiction and so his father started up a foundation called Chucky's Fight, where his dad actually jumps in the ocean every single morning. And uh, he's raised a bunch of money. He talks to uh, a handful of schools and other institutions all over the U.S. and New England specifically about uh, addiction. And they raised a bunch of money for addiction. And so we'll put the description to uh, Chucky's Fight in our bio. It's really, 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 really good cause. And uh, totally stoked for the fight, man. This is going to be sick because I know both fighters now. It's tomorrow on ESPN. It's the f- final fight on the preliminary card. Manny Bermudez versus Charles Rosa. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Let us know what you think. That is GDP Minute. Thank you. Golden Deer Productions. Golden Deer. Oh, oh, wait. Was that not it? Hey, enter. Just, you forgot to enter. Whoa, just like that, the episode started in the most professional way possible. No, traditionally, we have a, I have another producer here, but he couldn't make the episode today, so Wasim's sitting in, which is great. How's everyone's levels? You guys think I'm too loud, or? I think you're good, I can hear you. I think you're good. Can you just hug the mic a little bit? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take the whole crank off. It's better now? Yeah. All right, cool. Before we start, <clears throat> hey, this is Connor Holloway of the Golden Hours Podcast. I'm the most handsome podcast host in the city. <laughs> Some of you guys can see me if you're watching a video, but if you're not and you're just listening, I not only do I sound handsome, but ask Charles. I look handsome. And if you by chance get any sort of value from this episode, you're entertained, you learn something, just share it with a friend. That's all we ask. You guys got friends, right? Mr. Rosa, I know you got a couple friends. Come on. <laughs> uh, listen, I want you to announce who you are, who's in the building. So, Sam Corey, uh, Connor's uh, high school buddy. 
Mr. Rosa. Yes, sir. Charles Rosa, Seabrook Beach. I'm Charles' father. The, probably the most famous dude in the building. I saw the piece on Fox News. Bearing it all. It was awesome. And to my right, I have a young man who is... Yeah, this thing is going to be a bitch the whole time. Do you want to just hold it? Yeah. Sure. As I said. Good. I'm a hustler, but I'm not professional. <laughs> um... I have a young man who has a huge, huge, huge fight coming up in now, what, like 48 hours? Yep. Friday night, so. And to be honest, when when you showed up, I I expected you to be totally low energy. No, I'm good, man. You know, I'm I'm a professional at this point. I know what I'm, you know, I know I've done this over 30 times in my career. So, you know, you, it's like a, it's like a recipe. You just make it a little better every time. So I'm at the point now where I think I got it down to perfection. That's a chef-infused sauce. Exactly. That's a recipe. You already know. Can you give a quick synopsis of who you are and what you do? Uh, my name's Charles Rosa, UFC featherweight. Um, I'm a fighter fighting Friday night at the Garden um, for the third time. So um, I train. I live down in South Florida. I trained American Top Team, number one gym in the world. And uh, before I was a fighter, um, I was a chef. So I went to culinary school at Johnson & Wales in Providence, Rhode Island, and uh, originally from Peabody, Mass. So. So listen, while Seam and I went to college in, in Providence. Oh, where? Nah. PC, baby boy. Oh, shit. Yes, sir. So we <laughs> yeah. probably went to some of the same clubs. Yeah, I'm where, sure. Were you going to like the Coliseum? Um, there was, I don't know. I would just go wherever I could. I mean, I was I was a madman when I was in college. So Yeah, dude, always... I wouldn't, I can't even imagine what Mike is, was like in college. So I yeah. can't even, dude, you two need a yeah. reality show. Yeah, I feel like in Providence, there's no rules. It's like a, it's an interesting city, you know? Well, like, don't you feel the same way? It's like literally a city of outlaws. Yeah, I mean, every yeah. Friday night, you it's see all... some kind of crazy stuff going on on the industry. Yeah, where did you, did you live off campus? Something. Uh, I lived on Federal Hill. I lived on campus the first year, then this last couple of years I lived on Federal Hill right in top of Constantino's, the Italian spot. So, so did you ever migrate over to that, like, Eaton Street area? I would go there sometimes, but I never lived there. You know, there was always people around there, so I've been but, all over. But J-Woo kids had houses over there? Yeah, that's what it is. Everyone had houses all over the place, so it'd be everywhere. Dude, I had some saw some deadly fights down there. Yeah, that's why. As I'm saying, there's there's a lot of fights. There's a lot of fights. In it was a good training ground for you. Yeah, it was good. It was good. <laughs> I got some good fight stories. When, when did you first know you could fight? Like you were good at it. I mean, I grew up in a big, you know, a big family. Uh, had you know four brothers, a sister, so. Most of my younger years were spent, you know, getting chased around in the house by my older brothers, fighting, you know, just fighting their friends and stuff. We had a full-size trampoline when I was young, so, like, you know, I don't see those anymore. I don't know if you guys have had seen them, but the big full-size trampolines, we used to just fight it. Net or no net? No net. No, no net. Yeah. That was before oh, so, the net days, so, so this shit was... Oh, so you were, yeah. Yeah. And, oh, uh, Pops, you, you were encouraging the fights? Yeah, I let them have. <laughs> Let him have it. Yeah, he didn't you stop him. He wasn't. No, he wasn't the parent that stopped him. So he used to just go at it, and the trampolines fight each other. And uh, you know, I also played hockey, so we'd do some uh, locker boxing where you take the gloves from the you know and the helmet from the hockey bag, and we just you know go at it after practice and stuff. So there was a lot of you know training. It wasn't formal training, but it was definitely something because the first day I walked into a gym, like they were like, "Oh, where'd you train at?" I'm like, "I didn't train anywhere. Just I'm a hockey player." They're like what you know so i've just been getting the shit beat out of me for years yeah 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 just exactly you know you're growing up in you know in this area you know new england it's it's, you know it's tough you know so well honestly i grew up in new england and 
wasn't that like tough on yeah. me too. Well, it's just it depends who your friends are. You know, there's certain groups of people, there's things. But you know, I grew up as a triathlete playing, you know, hockey, lacrosse, football. So like, you know, there was back in then there was like hazing going on. So like, you used to have to fight the seniors, you know, in locker boxing to be able to be get, get on the hockey team. You you know, the freshman would have to fight one of the seniors in the locker room. And even if the kid didn't want to do it, he'd still do it. He maybe last 10 seconds. But, like, I was the one that would, you know, go to the death and take out the senior, you know, and get my respect. So that's kind of how, you know, built it, built it up. Well, so you were getting in fights, but when did you know you actually, like, could fight? I always knew I could fight. It just wasn't good at first. You know, I didn't have any. Oh, any, so you, any you were touch. bad. Yeah, I wouldn't say. No, I wasn't bad. I mean, I was always tough. I could walked in. The first day I walked in an MMA gym, I sparred with the UFC fighter and held my own. So, and you know, with no formal training, but I think it's just uh, it's something some people are just gifted with. Like a good person, I like to use an example is like Kimbo Slice. Like he's just a backyard street fighter, and he's also was a friend of mine. Rest in peace, Kimbo Slice. But he was a guy that no formal training used to fight just in backyards in Miami for money, and then he ended up you know beating you know fighting in Bellator, fighting in the UFC, beating ufc fighters without any formal training so some people i feel like are just born fighters you know and they have heart but that doesn't get you to be a world champion you know that just gets you so far there's definitely a, um a cap on how good you can be without formal training so um that day came when i was in south florida i just you know i thought i walked into a boxing gym and ended up finding a may gym and good story you know how far was where Kim- kimbo was fighting from where you live now uh Cause, dude, and, I remember oh, watching those. Oh, YouTube. forty minutes. I, I actually was. I actually, when I first moved to South Florida, I went into Charles McCarthy's gym. It was an American Top Team, Boca Raton, and I had no formal training. Like the first day I went in there, you know, I signed up just to do the classes, like anybody would. Like you would go train jujitsu or whatever. Paid the paid the uh, monthly fee, one hundred and fifty bucks a month. I trained there, and after about three months of training, every day I would ask him, "Hey, I want to take a. Can you get me a fight?" And he's like, "Listen, I want you to be ready. Like you need." at least a year of training before I put you in there. So you said, you don't know me, man. I'm tapped. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I want to fight. Yeah, let's go. And he's like, he's like, you think you're really tough and you're good, but like, I want to make sure that you can protect yourself also. Like not just, so you're going to win fights and get in the habit of winning fights on heart. Cause that's not the way to do it. You want to, you know, make sure you got the skills first. But anyways, so after about training there for three or four months, um, I met Kimbo Slice there and my Dicey Mike is manager. Big and dude. Yeah, he's just, yeah, he's a beast. And uh, he actually gave me my first pair of boxing gloves, like at the time, like wow. once I started training, it was yes. pretty, for me, like that was just, it was pretty special. You know what I mean? Like to get the, you know, to meet someone like that. Cause for me, he was like, dude, he was like Mike Tyson for some, you know what I mean? I was like, dude, this guy's like a fucking legend, you know? And, uh, had you, you had seen his videos, right? Yeah, yeah. so at that time, he was doing, yeah, of course, yeah. You know That's Masvidal why. was in some of those videos, too, Oh, of course, right? yeah, I trained with Masvidal. He's a good friend of mine, and he's he's in the backyard fight. So basically, after three months training there, I asked, uh, I, I actually set it up. I wanted to fight in one of the backyard fights. And somehow, no because Charles trains Icy Mike, who, who, who like, would set him up, he, uh, he kind of stopped it before it could happen. Like I was like gonna go do it. I was like, yeah, I want to come down. I'll just do it. What do I do? Like he's like, oh, just come through. We'll find someone there once you get there. And the and uh, Charles like, dude, if you're training at my gym, that can't happen. So that never happened. But it was still pretty cool. Dude, like that it could. I mean, I would have, could have, but still, I mean, I would have done it. it. Doesn't make a difference. I mean, it's the same. It's the same as fighting anywhere else. You know. Fights so at the fight. time in the fighting community in Florida, everyone kind of knew about those fights. Yeah. Yeah. This was. Uh, 
eight years ago, nine years ago. It's like early YouTube days. Yeah, this is when YouTube just got started, and he was a, he was a star, and that's that's what I saw. I didn't know. I knew more about fighters like that, like than I did about UFC fighters. Like I knew who Hoist Gracie was and stuff like that, but I didn't know if you just named like a random like UFC fighter if it wasn't like Chuck Liddell or Tito Ortiz I didn't know who they were I didn't follow like the whole thing I just knew like the stars and I liked watching it didn't really know what they were doing but like for me I thought Kimbo and those guys were like the toughest I just didn't know you know but he he only lost one of those street fights ever right it was versus that yeah. Boston cop and dude their faces were mutilated by yeah. the end of it have yeah. you seen that video no yeah and a crazy thing too is that that's a gym uh Matt Santos's gym in Providence, Rhode Island. And when I was going to college, that was the first gym I ever went into in my life. I only did like one jujitsu class there when I was in college. I rode my skateboard there, I remember. And I was like, when I watched the video, I'm like, dude, that's the first place I ever trained at. So it's like kind of crazy how the world comes full circle. But did yeah. you catch the bug in that first class or was it after you had moved uh, to No, I just remember I loved it. Like I was going, like I was going, I went actually, it wasn't just one class I went to. I went to a bunch, like I would just try to go. And I remember always asking, like, they would just let me drill. Like, I'm like, I want to fight. Like, they're like, well, like, the, the professionals, like, you got to like, be a professional to train with the professionals. And, like, that was kind of what I got, like, for the first year of training. And it was probably good because it protected me. Like, I, you know, if someone gets me in a leg lock, like, I'm the type of guy, like, I'm not going to tap. Like, I don't know. I'm just a, you know, tough kid. I thought I didn't understand it, you know. It's like, you know, you're new to it, you're green to it. But, um, you know, I learned fast. You know, luckily I got in there. Charles McCarthy, who was a former UFC veteran, and he saw, you know, the talent in me, and he was able to build me. Like, there was times, like, I'd be training, and I didn't <clears> want to tap, and he would, like, tell the guy to stop because I'm going to break my leg, you know? So, like, uh, that definitely helped have him, you know, being brought up by a professional that's been through it before and had the blueprint for me. So, if you're listening, Charles came through here with a fresh lineup. Would you get that thing done, bro? I got it. That done looks like well manicured. You're looking good, dog. Uh, I appreciate you, man. No, I have my guy Jay down in uh down in Boca Raton, Florida. So he's he's my guy. So he's a good dude. So so what does it look like today? Mind you, I've newly been getting into the UFC as a business. Like I think the way that the brand has built up has been so crazy. But what does today bring for you? Because your fight is in less than forty eight hours. But what, what like you after you leave here, what are you doing? Like, do you have, like, media responsibilities? Oh, uh, no, yeah, I got, there's a couple things I got set up for me, but uh, more after a fight, I like to, you know, take a week, because I've been, I've been grinding for, I mean, I've been grinding <laughs> for the last 10 years, but <laughs> the last, the last uh, couple months, I've really been grinding, been dieting, been focusing, so I take a week to kind of rest myself, you know, get, you know, just kind of heal up, because always after a fight, whether you get hit once, or you don't get hit at all, or you get in fight of the night war, which I've been in many of them, um, you always sore after because the adrenaline rush, like your whole body's shocked and it's sore, you know. Well, no, I so. me- I think I messed up the question. I'm not <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, I was like, right. I, I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, what does the next 48 hours bring for you? What is that? You're in the middle of your cut. You're oh, you have certain interviews lined up at the yeah, hotel. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. When I go back up, oh, the next 48 hours. I yeah, yeah. It's been after the fight. I was mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I'm just gonna chill. Yeah. But that's it. <laughs> like, now the next relax. 48 hours is that it's actually pretty hectic. The next 48 hours, I go from here. I go. To a media scrum with the UFC, they got like they'll have like all the major papers, ESPN there, Boston Herald, The Globe, like all the, you know, ESPN interview. Um, so it's you know a little media scrum, just random bunch of random reporters asking you tons of questions. Maybe but you'll see Joe Rogan. Oh yeah, no, I, I see Joe Rogan. Tell him there, I say yeah. hi. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Tell him what's going on over here. All right, I'll let him know. I'll <laughs> let him know. Yeah. So and then I go to that. Then from there, I do a couple other things like you know photo shoot or whatever. 
And then in the afternoon, um, I start my weight cut. So that's like the tough part. It's the only part that really sucks about fighting, you know, besides the injuries. But the is that just a weight cut? You know, you really gotta diet. I gotta I gotta lose another you know ten pounds tonight at least. So so right now you're like one fifty five. Uh, one fifty five plus, maybe a little more than that. But and so can you just be really specific about what that means? So you're gonna like sit. You're gonna have like ten sweatshirts on, spit in a cup drink like a teaspoon of water and eat a celery stick yeah, i'm gonna get my water now because i'm gonna want some later but yeah, uh, yeah that was the much. smallest sip i've ever seen in my life yeah it's all i can have but uh now i just cut out water and you know you gotta work i do like two hard workouts and i'll lose five pounds each workout and then i'll be on weight so but just with no water so like usually after you work out you're thirsty so imagine working out not getting a drink and then having to do it again you know and I mean, like, not just working out, but, like, soaking wet. You could, like, wring your clothes out, you know, so. Hotel gym? Yeah, just do it there. There's no need to go anywhere else. Oh, just an intensive cardio workout. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I got it, like I said, I got it down to a science. It's been the last two months of eating fish and vegetables and, um, you know, chicken with no carbs. So, it's, uh, I've already put the work in, you know. Yeah, so is that, so you outside of the ufc you also cook and you're a chef as well right yeah i'm a chef i just do that like as a hobby now it used to be the opposite it used to be my full-time job and then fighting was my hobby to where the point now that obviously i'm a professional athlete in the ufc that i can afford to just be an athlete and just keep fighting as um keep cooking as my hobby so that's well i was gonna say how much of a benefit has that been because you can break your diet down with total science dude dude, i'm i got my meals on point like if you go on my instagram you can check out like i'm well yeah you're whipping up some scallops those look amazing yeah it's funny because all the fighters in my gym like bro you that's what you eat when you're cutting weight like yeah it's like just fats right yeah well just it's people don't understand that like it's really the key is to i think food all the number one key it's a little secret i'll tell you it's just ingredients having the right ingredients like you can have the best chef in the world but if you give him a a piece of fish that sucks like he's not going to make it i mean yeah it might make it salty and make it taste like decent but it's just the best way to do it is get the freshest ingredients and just keep it simple you know and uh you know my dad has a fresh garden but after having seabrook the whole freaking house is surrounded by uh, tomato plants and you know uh whatever uh basil and you know all these different plants and i mean i've been picking weeds in the garden since i was like three years old so he's always keeping me at work so who cooks in the house growing up was it you yeah yeah me and my pops would cook you, you guys italian yeah my dad is yeah something about those roses i oh i oh, didn't preface okay. so mikey so i call him mikey bonkers that's <laughs> that's mike rosa or mikey caffeine pills but you guys are second cousins? Yeah, yeah. So my dad's uh, cousin's son. So, so there must be something about those roses. You guys just have a motor? Yeah. Are, 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 like, what's like a family reunion like? Are you guys all like bashing your heads against each other? Like, <laughs> let's go! Yeah, it's, it's cooking. You know, we usually get a competitive, you know, softball game, baseball game or something, football game or something. So, yeah, we're always always doing something cool you know competitive competitive for sure and always going is there anyone in your family that you couldn't fight couldn't fight yeah uh what do you mean like i couldn't win i could fight yeah like, well yeah i mean i think there, i don't know i think like, my, do you have any big cousins you're like damn like i really nah, well no nah, i have i have one cousin like my cousin ross was pretty big and i he tried me once and i whooped his ass like a couple of julys ago um, he used to beat me up when I was a kid, so like it feels good to be able to fuck him <laughs> you, up now. <laughs> you, still hate, you still hate his guts. Oh uh, no, nah, he's my boy. He's my I love the kid, but he just you know he gets a little too 
drinks a little maybe too much sometimes and I got to put him in his place. But besides that, um, you know, I think I think my dad would definitely still probably give me a run for my money and put it on me. I don't know if I you can take him. You're a tough dude, Mr. Rosa. <laughs> I think so. I don't know. He's probably the one. And then my Uncle Tommy, Tom the Bomb Rosa, he's a – He's a um, he has over 200 boxing fights, so he's a boxer and he's world uh, six-time world champion. Like you know, in the Masters. This is your Masters. brother? Yeah, my dad's brother, my uncle Tommy, Tom the Bomb Rose. Man, he's a legend, dude. And uh, over 200 fights through New England, won many tough man competitions. So who wins, Tom or Chuck, in the fight? Uh, I think different weight classes, so it's tough to say. My my, my uncle Tommy is about my size, maybe a little bit, like 20 pounds more. Chuck, we're taking it. Well, it depends what the rules are, you know. So, <laughs> Wasim, I don't want to glaze over the food conversation without you being allowed to ask a question because I know it's important to you. All right, yeah. So, uh, who's your favorite chef? I like uh, I like Emeril Lagasse just because he went to my school. You know, like I just like watching him. I think he's kind of he, he just brings genius. a good yeah. He just brings in like a good a good confidence and a good feeling about it, you know? Um, I just like, and you know, they always tell stories in my school. Like he was a madman in college. Like the teachers are like, Oh, I'm a legacy. Used to come here after partying all night. And like tell us these stories. And we're like, why are they telling us this? But it's pretty cool. I just, I just think I like him. He's a cool dude. You know? Well, we had a, a chef up on the show, Andy husbands who owns, he owned Tremont 647 or four. Yeah. Are you familiar with him? No. And now he owns all these barbecue spots over the city. Oh, that's good. And the one thing, what I think is wicked interesting is the fact that you were able to maintain a career as a chef is there's also a certain type of motor you need as that, dude. Like, you're always on your feet. You have to make quick decisions. Yeah. Have you seen a crossover between the two, career-wise? Of what? The f- uh, of being a dope chef and being a crazy fighter. Well, yeah, it's like, uh, it's just hard. It's bottom line, hard work, you know. There's some jobs that you can kind of sit at a desk, you know, you type on the keyboard, you go to the fax machine, you walk around, or you maybe walk around the grocery store, you stack some of the stuff. But, like, most of the jobs I've had in my life are hard work. Like, being a chef is fucking hard work. Always like, on it's your feet, no right? Joke. Yeah, always working. You're always running around the kitchen, carrying pots, like, fucking stacking stuff, like, checking swiping down counters like you know doing this to wax on wax off cleaning yes, stuff it's Mr. like you Miyagi. believe it or not but like it's all relevant and then you hand eye coordination with the knife skills you gotta be chopping so i think i think i mean i mean honestly when i was training it was funny because when i'd be training for fights i'd be working too so the first fight i ever took um i was working full-time as a chef and it's almost impossible to get a saturday night off in a restaurant as a chef so i asked the chef i was like hey you know um next week i'm gonna be fighting like you think I could dip out for a couple hours and then I'll come back after if you're really busy and he's like what what are you doing I'm like I'm fighting and luckily for me his name's uh you know his name Tony Chef Tony and he shout out to Tony shout out to Chef Tony for you know giving me that giving me that uh chance you know the break you know to be able to uh you know so he's like yeah you no problem you don't have to come back you can take off and uh it's just funny because like I was like oh, I'll come back after the fight he's like no you're good so that was it I started and uh yeah you know that's how I started just fighting <laughs> was. I would never in a million years send a dish back if I was eating at your restaurant. Ah, <laughs> Dude, come out with a clothesline nah, or something man. crazy. No, nah, I, I worked in a nice spot. It's like a five-star restaurant. Cut 432 Steakhouse in uh, Delray Beach. If you're ever down there, definitely check it out. The place is amazing. It's like when I moved, when I went to Florida, like after having my culinary degree, I, I wanted to find the way I found the restaurant. It's like I want to go to the find the best restaurant I can. It's the best restaurant I've ever seen in my life. And the second I walked in there, I'm like, dude, I want to work here. 
And I'm like, so I went up to the lady at the front desk. I'm like, hey, can I work here? She's like, no, we're not hiring. And I was like, where's the chef? I just walked right in the back. The chef's like, what the fuck do you want? I was like, uh, I want to work here. He's like, what makes you think you could work here? I was like, well, I went to culinary school. He's like, where'd you go? I went to Johnson Wales. He goes, okay. Well, I'd, do you have a passion for food? And I was like, well, I don't think I would have went to four years of culinary school if I didn't have passion for food. And then he laughed. And then she goes, come, come in tomorrow. So that's how it started. Why did you initially shift down to Florida? Uh, I was struggling like a lot, like, you know, just pretty much like mentally, like I lost my two older brothers, Dominic and Vincent to drug overdoses when I was 16. And the following year when I was 17, I was still able to get, you know, know, graduate high school and get my culinary arts degree in college. But, uh, you know, that was just kind of hustling through college. You know how it goes, like just get your work done and Mm -hmm. make it happen, but kind of squeaked by, but, uh, yeah, man, I was just struggling a lot mentally, had a lot of things like going through personally, and I just, I think I needed a change, you know, and uh, that's pretty much when I, I I went down there and changed my life, and I think it was for the best, man. I just uh, made a decision that I didn't like the way I was living, didn't like the choices I was making, and uh, I guess they call it like a spiritual experience or whatever it is, but I just remember looking in the mirror one day and not being happy with myself and the choices I was making, so... I made that choice and I did it and dude, it was a, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. So were you disciplined before you got to Florida or did you need to go to Florida to become a little more head straight on? I was, uh, it depends what it was. You know, I was a sports player my whole life played, like I said, triathlete. So I never missed a practice. I would just show up every single time. But as far as like, yeah, I was always disciplined, but I just never, I never, it was a lot of things that I learned, you know, like from martial arts that taught me things that I didn't have, you know, I mean, my dad always raised me tough, you know, never give up to, to work hard. And as long as I try my best, things like that and stuff like that. So, you know, always make sure, you know, try to be, you know, pretty much stuff like that. Just like never giving up, being strong, putting all your effort in stuff like that. So even in a hot, when I play hockey or bring home my report card, like if my report card said, you know, all C's, but it's, or D's, or even, like, an F or something, like, well, maybe not an F, but, you know, but, like, if it said, but then if it said in the comments, like, trying real hard or something, but if I got, like, a B and it said, like, lacking effort, like, you'd be more mad about something like that, so it was just, like, stuff like that, that that was the way I raised and was was brought up, so, but I learned, I did learn a lot through martial arts, for sure, and that, you know, black belt, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which was a BJJ, specifically, yeah, yeah, BJJ, uh, specialist, and, uh, you know, you don't get that unless you're really dedicated and disciplined. Uh, so, did it change the way you think about like kind of persevering through tough times with BJJ? Because I've heard, I've listened to too much Joe Rogan, but he talks about it all the time. He's like, dude, if you put yourself under intense stress physically, like in a BJJ match, yeah. then you can apply it to other places in your life. Yeah, I've done over at least 50, or, I don't know, maybe I don't even keep count of these, but I've done over 50 matches jiu-jitsu matches like compet like uh at tournaments like grapplers quest nagas uh world championships nagas um pan ams i've traveled to california and competed in all of them and it's the same feeling as going into a fight man it's stressful you know i mean you know that it's not getting i mean it's definitely not the, i shouldn't say the same feeling because it's definitely not because i mean your jaw's not gonna get shattered yeah yeah you just know like worst thing i'll get my arm popped or whatever and like <laughs> yeah, worst thing <laughs> But yeah, but the thing is, is that it's dangerous for me to do that stuff because I'm not the type of, I'm not the type of guy to quit. You know, I'm like, so now I don't do them as much because I know if someone catches me in an arm bar, like I'm gonna let it break before I quit. So it's like, fuck, you know what I mean? Like it's not really worth the risk and reward right now because where I'm at. But yeah, man, I love grappling. That was my first thing I fell in love with in martial arts. And uh, dude, I was, I used to, I mean, I'm a beast in grappling. That's, that's my thing. I don't think, uh, 
Manny is too. That's yeah. his strong suit too. It's gonna yeah, be a sick well, fight. Well, I guess we're gonna find out, you know. <laughs> so I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. So is it? Do you think it's been a benefit? So you've taken what, like a year and a half, two years off of fights? Uh, I haven't fought because I wasn't medically cleared. But I've been training. I went to Thailand, Holland, Dutch kickboxing. Uh, you know, tra- no, I haven't. What was training. your injury? Uh, neck injury. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. What, so what happened? Just fucking. I started getting atrophied muscles in my upper body and like my. Uh, what does that arms. mean? Atrophied muscles. The weekend, like I significantly weaker. Like you know, you go to like pick up, you do weights, and like man, why can't I do twenty pounds anymore? What's going on? And you then, just worn down. Yeah, and then my yeah, it was overtraining. It was a result of overtraining. I trained for ten years every single day, four to six hours a day, no days off. Sometimes training on Sundays, just addicted. Like that go thing you're telling my, my he said my cousin has too. Like I don't know if it's in my DNA or what it is, but. I pretty much, uh, there's a saying that my dad says, like, if you don't take a break, God will give you one. And I think that's what happened. I just worked it until broke, you know, and then, uh, but in the last two years, I've just completely learned from it and changed the way I do things, you know, a lot, you know, I got everything down pretty much to, I got the blueprint now, you know, I've learned from my mistakes. It's 10, I'm 10 years into it now and training in the best gym in the world with the best guys around people. And I've been picking up knowledge along the way you know i got guys like dustin poirier in my gym george masvidal colby covington and these guys i ask these guys questions every single day you know to hear like you know i asked george the second day after he comes back from his flying knee i'm like yo show me that you know what i mean and then i asked colby like questions oh how do you do that takedown so i can then i see dustin poirier and i'm like hey man like how much do you train do you train like he's like well i used to train every single day all day but now i train two times two hard sessions a week and one easy you know what i mean like and i just follow their blueprint and i put it all together and make my own puzzle and uh i think it's going to be the recipe to be a champion so what was it was it a neck mobility thing no it wasn't neck mobility it was just pain i just it was hurt you know i think all the ju- neck just scares guys, the shit out of me all guys do jujitsu they have neck pain usually you know what i'm saying getting guillotine get your neck cranked on and uh it's just just what it is you know what i mean but it just mine got to the point where then it started affecting the nerves you know what i'm saying but um i've worked through it all and i'm fucking strong dude i'm stronger than i've ever been by a lot like like got barometers uh which is like a thing that tests your muscle like uh strength pretty much like with through your nerves at the uh physical therapy place i've been going and like dude mine's over doubled maybe even tripled since my injury you know and that's like a good for me it's a good you know like I said, it's a barometer test kind of where you're at. So that was like scientifically, but more, I don't even care about all the science stuff. I'm like Rocky style. Like I just know how my body feels. So I know myself, like I can know my body. I can feel what it, when, every time I get hurt, I know how bad the injury is. I'm like one to 10. Is this a real injury? Is What's been just, the worst? Worst. I mean, uh, I got my shoulder popped out and oh. a, uh, in my eighth pro fight, I was fighting this kid, had a triangle on him. He fucking picked me up over his head and so he picked me up and did the rampage slam. Bam. Bam. I fuck, I didn't know. I thought I was concussed. I was like, whoa. You know, I kept fighting. I got an arm bar like 30 seconds later and put him away, tapped him out. And I stand up. And it was funny because my dad was in my corner. I stand up and I go to the corner because I won. And instead of like standing up and like putting your hand up and like running around the ring, they just told me to sit down. Even though I won the fight, I finished him in the first round. I sit down, I look over, my shoulder's like hanging down. I'm like, oh shit, what's going on? And my dad thought that I had to fight more for more rounds. Was it gruesome, Mr. Rosa? I honestly didn't know what was going on. I was oblivious to what was going on. Yeah, but 
it was funny. He's like, oh, he thought I was going to have to go another round. He thought the round ended. He didn't know I won because he couldn't. It was like so hectic, you know, because I basically grabbed the submission, just ripped his arm and just popped it. And then like the, he just tapped out and then they stopped it. But man, that was that fuck. It was it was kind of a bittersweet moment, though, because it was like an amazing moment. I just won a huge fight. The one that would propel me into the but UFC. It's like, dude, now I'm a corpse. But I'm like, dude, I can't. I'm like, it hurts so bad. It was almost funny. I was like, dude, this is ridiculous. How much this fucking hurts it? Like, I was like laughing. I'm like, this is crazy. I'm like, this hurts so bad. But I just won my fight and I'm fucking so happy. So what do I do? You know, so it was good. Luckily, I didn't have to get like surgery. Did they pop that. it back in? Yeah, I didn't feel it, like pop back in. I just know like it was just the AC joint, so it wasn't actually my shoulder, which lucky is better because like tearing your whole shoulder is worse than just popping your AC joint. Well, yeah, I tore my labrum. Yeah, that's way worse. Yeah, the oh. AC joint it just looks weird. It looks like I get like a little like bump right here. It looks like a little bone, like, but uh, you know I live with it. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't affect anything. Yeah. So when you go into fights now, are you conscious of like some of your your past injuries in your body? Or when you approach a fight like this, are you feeling fully confident in your body and your mobility? Oh, dude, 100%. I know, like I said, I know my body. I wouldn't fight if I if I didn't feel it. You know what I'm saying? If I didn't feel it, if I feel like I was injured, there's, I'm a smart enough kid, you know, with my life. Like, I love this. And, I mean, once I make the choice, I know when I go into the cage, I'm willing to die in there. Like, I'm going to war. You know, for some people, this is a sport. Like, but my mindset's different. Like, this is, this is you know, I, I got all my chips in this. You know, I'm pushing in. But... As far as how I feel, I feel I feel amazing. Like it's never felt better in my life. Like I just, uh, I don't think uh, I, I honestly feel better than I ever have because I worked on things that were my deficiencies. You know, like I had a lot of strengths and weaknesses and what was injuries. it striking or I'm, to be honest, I'm a new UFC fan. What so deficiencies? I'm, no, yeah. I meant my deficiencies was what my cousin's best at strength and conditioning, building muscle. Like I was just a weak. I just felt like I was a weak fighter. Like I wasn't the strongest. You know. Um, I was an athlete my whole life, but like, I think it's like that thing. Like, you know how marathon runners look where they're all cardio. They're just like, we're skinny. They're fast. Like I was like an all cardio guy, but I didn't have a lot of, you know, big, strong muscles. Like I couldn't bench press like 500 pounds. Like my cousin can, I could just run 20 miles, you know? So I found like a good counterbalance with that. Instead of running 20 miles now, I'll run, you know, three miles or four miles a day and I'll go lift, you know, and I never did that before. So, dude, I feel the results. And for my sport, like football players, they don't go run marathons. They run sprints, you know, they're in short bursts with like parachutes in their back because they run short plays. So I wasn't doing my sports specific, uh, specified training. I was just doing what I thought like Rocky did to get mm-hmm. in shape. You know what I mean? You're watching too many movies. Fucking, <laughs> fucking movies. So, but you know, now I got, I got it down, you know, I got it, man, American top team. They got, a. Uh, you know, Phil DeRue over there, who's like an awesome strength and conditioning coach, he has been helping me a little bit, and they got, we got a whole team now, and the sport's really evolved, like, we have like this mega capital gym that has all the resources I need, like the UFC Performance Institute, go there in Las Vegas, they got these physical therapists, you know, there's NFL players in the same room training with you, so you know you're in the right place, so, you know, that's, that's another thing too, you know. So... Are you ever able to shut your mind off completely from fighting? Like, can you ever detach from it? <clears throat> you know um, what I mean? <laughs> like, to be honest, I've, I've been having problem problems with how my business is growing and my show is growing. I, I can never shut it off, dude. Yeah. No, Do you feel the same way? Oh, man. It's, it's like instilled in me. I... I try to. I go to. I'll go on like a. But even like when I go on vacation, I'm going to like Thailand to go train Muay Thai. I'm not ever. 
I'm always thinking about fighting, you know, and I'm always ready to fight. Like I, I keep my shoes tied. So like if someone steps to me, I'm ready to go. Like, you know, I'm not, you're really a psycho. I'm ready, dude. You know, there's not a <laughs> Those time. Those Yeah. It's a, Those yeah, are fresh. Good mobility. You know what I'm saying? So, and I, I, I like to. Well, don't tell Reebok, bro. Yeah, no, it's all good, dude. <laughs> but <laughs> fuck it. They're comfortable as fuck. So. Dude, the Reebok CrossFits are nice too. The cross yeah, no, I just got a pair. They just sent me a sick pair yesterday. They just hooked me up with all this gear. Tons actually, of free so. swag. Yeah, I love it, dude. So, I mean, everything's good, you know. Yeah, but just back to it, like, are you ever able to just totally shut your mind off from it and, like, kind of, like, what you've built for yourself and, like, how things are growing? Um, I try to, but honestly, no. Like, yeah. I try to. It's, it's, I, I do go to yoga. I try to go to yoga. I'll try to do things, but my mind is always thinking about the next fight and even after the fight ends like i'm still thinking okay who am i gonna fight next and it's obsessive you know it's obsessive but i feel like you have to be like that to be a world champion if you talk to almost any world champion in any sports you mean like you listen to like tom brady you listen to these guys they're they're thinking that stuff all the time you know dude that, that's honestly why i get along with your cousin so much because he's the only other dude i know who's like totally obsessive about what he yeah. wants to grow yeah it's those rows of jeans you guys got that motor i want to yeah. go come to the next family reunion man this would be a blast let's see, see if you make it you got to make the initiation first i gotta know? get i gotta get the shit beat out of me <laughs> yeah dude get the get thrown in the, you gotta jump well, first the way you got initiated to start to the family you gotta jump in the ocean in the winter time so yeah can you, can you get through that so can you elaborate a little on chucky's fight yeah yeah so um it's sick it's great what you do it's yeah, awesome chucky's fight is a charity uh my dad started in me after uh, my brothers, Dominic and Vincent, passed away from drug overdoses. So it's a charity that's dedicated to help knock out substance abuse. That's the slogan. And uh, basically after my brothers passed away, we put their ashes in the ocean. And uh, yeah, so like basically my dad would jump in the ocean every day. I think I think it was his way to like find peace, you know, with it or whatever. And he would do it even in the wintertime. So people started kind of seeing him doing it in the wintertime. And they're like, you should do something with this. And he's like, what? And Basically, he started getting corporations like the CEOs of companies and people or big groups of people to come jump in the water to and they would like, you know, maybe give the boss like everyone from the business would give the boss like oh, 100 bucks to go jump in the water kind of and they film it and do the thing and he's raised over hundreds of thousands of dollars to help kids with substance abuse problems like some kids don't have insurance money to get you know to get into a treatment center or some kids aren't educated on it so he goes to elementary school i'm not elementary school like middle schools high schools talking to kids about the dangers of substance abuse so yeah so where does because i saw a youtube video where does most of the money go it goes to people that cannot afford treatment after they get detox they go they want to go to sober living so they don't go back to the same toxic environment um and we scholarship them a couple hundred dollars just to get them in the door and then the journey becomes theirs know they're in a place where they're fighting the same fight everybody else is you know going back to to the terrible situation they were in before exactly yeah so and um we we spent sixty thousand dollars last year on scholarships usually about 150 to 200 dollars at a time because we have deals with the different sober living houses and uh and it was a family thing too charles has helped my the the little um don uh, yeah lucas and francis uh and charles and Teresa and charles's mother um does all the real real work i just go out there and um you know, do my thing but she she's uh show that six pack <laughs> you go out there and show the six pack yes sir <laughs> has uh how much is the charity grown by year we i i don't have a quality answer there but we've never we've never turned anybody away anybody that i don't want to you know <laughs> new hampshire 
people call if they meet the criteria, but we have to know they're serious. We ask them some pretty personal questions, and if they've completed a detox um, and they've done their legwork and they get a blessing from their case manager that they're doing the right thing, we'll make a deal with a sober living house. Sometimes they want 500 or $1,000. dollars we'll give them a couple hundred bucks to get them in the door, and then they get a job and they do what they, they got to do. And that all happened by accident. None of this was, was planned. It's totally organic. Yeah, and I never wanted to speak in front of even a group of 10 people. You know, when I was asked, I was, I don't let much bother me, but I was actually like nervous. I go, what if I say the wrong thing? And then this teacher told a teacher from Timberland High School and Phillips Exeter Academy, and I've been going there. And um, not an out lecture, it's very, it's question and answers. Usually the teacher leaves the room, and uh, at the end of the presentation, um, if they want to make a pledge to make healthy choices, they get a dog tag as a reminder to make make healthy choices. Um, we've given away almost a hundred thousand of these, and we see people all the time with them that that um, that, uh, that that will say, "Oh, do you remember me from this certain school? You came to my school six years ago, and I still have your dog tag on my mirror." It was an idea we had to try to give them something, even even if it was a powerful um, message. Yeah, well, give them something to remember okay, them. Yeah to remember it by, and um, people put them on their keychains or on their mirrors or uh, in their pocket. Is uh, So when they get confronted with a choice to uh, that they don't want to make, they put their thoughts to the dog tag and think about something that will remind them to make a good choice. So that's what we do. So are you wearing like a, a Chucky's Fight badge on your shirt? or? I wish I could. I used to, but the Reebok deal is just Reebok now. So that's it. They don't allow it no more, but yeah, I would have liked to walk out with my Bruins jersey. Like I, I used, I did before when I fought my first UFC fight at the Garden, uh, my first UFC win. I walked out with the Boston Bruins jersey on, Chucky's fight patch on it, and like that's fire. American top team. It was fucking epic, dude. What would you come out to shipping out to Boston? Yeah, shipping out to Boston, dude. <laughs> fucking epic, dude. Loves Boston, dude. That's it, man. I walked out with it and. uh I walked out with the jersey, and it was cool because then I got to meet, like, the Bruins after because they were there, I guess, watching the game. So I know, like, Brad Marchand and those guys, and was, they sent me a tweet like, yo, dude, fucking epic fight. Like, we love the jersey. Like, you got to come to a game. So they went to the locker room and got to meet all the guys. It was pretty pretty legendary, dude. It was, like, it's been my dream since I was a kid. I loved hockey. I always wanted to walk out of that tunnel at the garden wearing, you know, Bruins jersey with my name on the back. And well, your cousin's got, got season tickets. You know that, right? No, he never told yeah, me. Yeah, you got to hit him up. <laughs> but Hey, I'll make sure I get your information after so I can put it in the description of how people can get involved. For sure. Is it, do you guys do sell apparel or anything? Not really. No. Okay. My fault. But, get, get, your, get your shirt, dog whatever you need. Hey, between you and I, you guys are getting our brand new shirts after this. Look right there. Well, see, have you seen those yet? Oh, sweet. Those are us. Whoa, <laughs> crazy! Nice. Do you know what song you're coming out to this fight? I'm coming on the same one, shipping up to Boston. So. Yeah, how did you secure the nickname Boston Strong? Are so, someone get like any nickname? Someone gave it to me. I don't. I'm not the one to give my, be giving myself nicknames, like you know. Oh, I, I have like five. Per, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I call myself Coach Connie. No one ever gave me that. Uh, yeah, so that's just the way it goes. Uh, my nickname used to be when I threatened to the amateurs was Rapidinho because uh, that's what the Brazilians would call me because I would train jiu-jitsu and I was just fucking savage. Rapidinho. Like, Rapidinho, like it means they call it Rapidinho. Like that's what they call me and because they don't say the r's they say hapadinho and 
that means like a little fast kid, I guess, or something from my understanding. So that's what, at least I hope that's what it means. I've been calling it for me. You, so you should I'll, go pick up chicks saying, hey, I'm yeah, Rapidinho. I'm Rapidinho, yeah. So <laughs> What's up, brother? That was, I love that. And I love that nickname. I rocked it for my whole like career. And then once I got to, um, you know, it called me because, like I said, I would just fucking, I would just roll with all the and Brazilians always get a jiu-jitsu. But that's, you know, it was an honor to earn that nickname from guys like, you know, the black belts and stuff that gave it to me. Rafael Rebelo gave me that nickname. And, uh, but then when I was like five and zero, I was fighting up in Providence, up in CES, and uh, you know, and that's in Twin River Casino. And I was five and zero, and then uh, I was. What were I, those I, fights I, like? I choked every. Oh, it was just pro fights. They're fucking just as a lot hard of cig smoke in the area. Yeah, dude, <laughs> Twin River. It's crazy. Yeah, it's a fun place, dude. All I got the whole. It's like a home game for me though, because everyone's there. It's epic, you know. They actually built a whole section. Like, got to buy stands because I was selling so many tickets. It was epic. But um, I choked out like I think I had like five or six submission wins by chokes so they started calling me the boston strangler you know so i was just choking everyone oh out. you love that though so right? I, was like, I was fucking cool i thought it was awesome <laughs> so i was the boston strangler for about three years and then once i got to the ufc um you know i do like a lot of charity work and stuff so it kind of made sense like they were like hey charles like i went and fought in sweden in sweden you know how like they're very like uh i don't know the word but like chill country yeah it's like what was the word polish, polish, polish. country yeah i guess pristine like, pristine yeah pristine pristine <laughs> country like so and it was my first and i took it on short notice took it on five days notice i actually had to cut i cut i think it was 33 pounds in five days for that fight my first ufc fight against top 10 ranked dennis siever european guy and i flew to sweden and when i got there they're like oh what's your nickname I'm like boston strangle they're like uh we can't use that it's too violent i was like i and obviously i'm not it's my manager i'm not the one making these calls but he's like hey charles they just changed your nickname to boston strong is that cool and he was like yeah it's cool was, was this before or after the marathon i don't i don't know because uh, i had the, the 2014 this was right after because i had the guy who wrote the book boston so strong why, up on the show yeah that's probably why that was probably right after so that name was like you know it was Talk, I'll, con- talk, I'll connect you to you guys might be yeah, able to do something no, that'd together. be cool no that'd be cool I, the craziest thing too is i was actually supposed to fight the boston before obviously this fight the kid one of the kids uh the boston bomber kids in the fight he canceled because of a knee injury you're one of the bombers yep one Zarnav? Of the bombers. yeah he actually fought he fight did you know he's an mma fighter the older one he fought in massachusetts before yeah you would have folded him Oh, dude, I'm fucking would have fucked him up so bad, but you know, it's just hit whatever. It's here, you know, it's nothing Jeez. to do now. But anyway, so yeah, that's what were we even asking. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. We're having a good time. Are you guys having fun? <laughs> yes, sir. Yes. Yeah, so every every time I look at Mr. Rose, he gives me one of these. Yeah. I'm starting to get a little nervous. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't say anything stupid. <laughs> so, um, but oh yeah, that's what the nickname. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. I don't think, but no, the. So, well, you know what Manny's is. It's the Bermuda's uh, Triangle. Yeah, the Bermuda Triangle. So, I mean, he's going to get, I guess he's going to get lost in that shit. I'm going to fucking fuck him uh, up. <laughs> I, I've been trying to be unbiased, but yet, but it's actually really interesting because I just dropped the episode with Manny just hearing your perspective. You guys are two totally different dudes. Yeah, yeah I don't really know him. Uh, did you well. study any tape on him or? I watch his fights, yeah. I mean, I watch his fights and, you know, what to look out for. I know what he's good at. You know, I know just my coaches, you know, they tell me what's up and I watch it for sure. watch his fights a lot. Um, but, you know. But, what, but has he ever but what if he Bermuda Triangle gets triangled you know so we'll whoa. see I have one of the best triangles in the world probably better than his so whoa yeah well I'll be honest fact. so I've trained with Manny I got the bag beat out of me yeah <laughs> what, fo- what in jiu-jitsu yeah yeah so 
Like, well, exactly. Well, it's again, I'm not a professional fighter. So. Yeah, yeah. Real quick. What, he tap you like 20 times? <laughs> dude, he, he was working me. I was yeah. just looking like you gotta get your work. Nah, you got to get your work in, though. It's any anyone. You got to let them know, you know? Well, I'm also way bigger than him, so he n- never really gets to train with bigger dudes. Yeah. I don't want to like, give too much insight here. No, I don't no, want to no. fight for anybody. Nah, dude, it's all good. We're going to fight. It ain't going to change nothing. You know what I mean? Like, it's, we're both going in there for the kill, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I respect the kid. I think... He's a phenomenal fighter. There's no doubt about it. He's formidable. Like he's, you know, he's he's a beast. You know, but there's there can only be one. You know, there can only be one winner. So there's two of us gets locked in the cage. One of us coming out with the W. So on, on the UFC end, did you know that UFC was coming back up to Boston? They were going to contract you to fight another Boston dude. I didn't know. They always put me against the Boston guys. Like, uh, I mean, I fought. is it because that's your brand or like? No, I think it's just they. I think it just makes sense for them. You know, it sells tickets. You know, like if you get two guys, it'll you know. Because even though like I'm not, so they don't like putting the guys against each other. They train with each other. So all these guys all train together. So even though I'm from Boston, I don't train in Boston. I train American Top Team in Boca Raton. Like originally, I'm from Boston. I live in South Florida for the last eight years. I mean, I come and visit all the time, but. Um, they all like train with us. So this would be weird to put like two training partners or guys that are friends against each other. So it's pretty cool taking me, someone that left to get better training to come back and bring them and just see, you know, to see that. And I think it's, it's interesting. It's a cool thing. Cause you're going to see the difference in this fight, the level of training, you know, there's, there's levels to this. And I know what it's like training in Boston. I think it's, it's awesome. It's gotten way better over the last couple of years, but you know, my training partners are world champions. You know, my roles are with George Masvidal, Dustin Poirier, you know, Daniel Strauss, like guys that are world champions, you know, my coach is Mike Brown, you know, former WEC world champion. Um, how does and, this sport grow up here more? Huh? Like how, how does Massachusetts? It's uh, growing. It's growing. It's, it's happening now because now the UFC is starting to get bigger. It's big enough that yeah, there's a casino here now. Yeah, exactly. So there's money here now and it's gonna, it's gonna bring a lot in, but I think that's what it is. It's just, uh, you know, I get guys from all over the world too. These guys from Russia. I my training partners. I don't even speak English, and we just roll train like wrestling with these Dazakhstanian monsters. Like I get that, and I go to do jiu-jitsu class, and it's all Brazilians, you know. And then I go do wrestling. It's all U.S. Olympic wrestlers. Like every one of my goes with like an Olympic wrestler or like a guy that Division One, you know, Purdue. Like my boy Danny Desabatello is D one All American from Purdue. He's like my main training partner. I fucking love the kid. He's the Italian gangster from Chicago, Danny Sabatello. He's but the kid's a sounds like a scrapper. Just, yeah, he's, Danny Sabatello. He's five and zero. He's on his way up. He'll be in the UFC in about a couple months. And it's just that's my point. It's just like these get the highest level of training, and uh, you can't deny. It. You know when you go in there and you're you're going with these guys or beating them or not necessarily beating them, but you're 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 work hanging with them, working with them. That like listen, if these guys aren't able to submit me or take me down, then how the hell is some random kid, you know what I'm saying? So here's the shit talk. Here it is. Oh, I'm just saying, you know, it's just for me. It's confidence. It's, yeah, it's, it is what it is, you know. Yeah, I thought it was hilarious on the phone. I don't know if you remember this, but when I, we talked initially on the phone, yeah. I was like, "Yeah, I actually, like, I train with Manny." You're like, "Yo, are you spying on me?" Yeah, yeah I was like, no, dude, relax. That's <laughs> <laughs> all good, you know. This is pretty funny. Um, this is war, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. like, I look at everything like that. For me, everyone has a different, like, mindset, but for me, it's like I have the war mentality. I'm like, and I don't, and that's just how I am, you know what I'm saying? You're either with me or against me, you know, and if, whatever, if you're against me, then fucking you're going to go down, you're going to get put taken out like the rest of them, you know? So, how did, I'm just going to ask a couple quick little more formulated questions so we can cut them up for clips. Yeah. 
how has um acquiring a business sense been to you as a fighter and like the the necessity to like grow a personal brand to like pick up other fights has that been tough for you or some you picked up over time no i think i think the for me i have a different mindset i'm building the personal brand i think for me it's like my coach said it to me once you know i do you know people do all this stuff with like the building the social media the instagram the facebook and i love that stuff i i go on it every day at some point and you know try to keep my fans engaged but it really comes down for me for the level I'm at is winning fights. Like if I win fights, it's going to grow. It's simple as that, you know, and that that's kind of how it is. It's just as long as I focus on what I'm good at fighting and I'm getting better and I'm focusing on that, then that's, that's just going to come. It's all going to come because UFC has the platform for that. So some people don't have the platform. So that's not true for everything. Like things that, that people do the podcast, like even what my cousin does, like with the lifting and stuff. But for me, what I have... What is going huge, on, aliens? Yeah, exactly. So, like, I have a good platform. The UFC has a setup that if I win fights, I'm going to grow. And that's it. And that's that's all I focus on. So, it makes it real easy for me now. Everything's easy. I just go, train hard, and hopefully, you know, get these W's and become world champion. And then I'll be uh, where I need to be and have a brand. It'll build itself. But you don't feel pressured as, like, a, as a fighter on the come up to, like, be consistently active with growing your business? Um. My business is fighting. That's my business. So that's what let's I do. go. Yeah, no, that's it. That's my business. My business is fighting. It's in the octagon, and that's what I'm going to do Friday night. So, yeah, there's things that I do. I do a ton of charity work. I go, you know, do Project Sunshine, help kids that are terminal ill with cancer. I help out with Chucky's fight. You know, there's even things I do from other kids down in, you know, treatment centers down in South Florida. So there's always things that I'm helping people and I'm building. You know, as a chef, you know, I'm always posting pictures and stuff about my food and cooking. Because I want to keep my doors open and my options open. But right now, like I said, my main priority is fighting. And fighting. That's what I got all my chips in. I pushed all my chips in. I don't work at the restaurant much anymore, if not like, you know, maybe once a month. Was it is it cut, cut 432? Yeah, cut, yeah. I did a little good research. Memory. It's good on point, yeah. And Well, yeah, there was like a $90 steak. I was yeah, like, damn, so. this thing is on scale. <laughs> yeah, that, it's on point. So. That porterhouse. Oh, it's fire, yeah. That's good stuff. Hey, this is totally random, but... Can you give us a quick synopsis of like when you're looking at a cow, what certain cuts of meat are? Like yeah, what? Where's the tri-tip? So that's like near the belly. So like I never knew, but this is a key fact that everyone get to know. Well, see, take bone, notes. This is a, t- a T-bone steak. Do you know what two cuts that is combined? Uh, no. I didn't. He's eating it, but he's never analyzed T-bone it. steak, all right? It's a filet mignon and a New York strip steak on the same bone. So if you can't decide what you want, a filet mignon or a New York strip steak... What do you order? Yeah, that T-bone. Got it. Yeah. But what if you don't have the budget? If you don't, if you're balling on a budget, <laughs> I don't know. No then you get us. You get sirloin. You get sirloin. No. The, oh, sirloin's the lowest cut of the meat. Not the lowest. If you're on a budget, but you want something that's good, it's not the lowest. I think. Like, well, is porterhouse better than sirloin? Oh yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Okay. Definitely. okay. Can you just give me like the ranking of meats? Oh, well, I think filet mignon, which is the beef tenderloin. Okay. And then. I would say the porterhouse because that has both. It's just both of the cuts. It's like the uh, Where is the New that? York strip. I mean, on the cow, you know what I mean. It's like on the. It's on pretty much all near the ribs and the belly. Like that's all of it, you know. And then the rump roast is like the chuck and stuff like that. That's like the lowest quality. Like that. That's right the there. hamburger. Yeah, it's the burger. Okay, wait. So we had top yep. was what? Yeah, filet mignon. Filet. Yep. Then New York strip. Then the cowboy. Which Where's the tri tip at? it's like the uh basically it's like in near the stomach it's like near the uh it's near the fucking 
filet mignon. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's all it's all like in a different spot. I got I fucking show it to you on a piece of paper, but I can't really. So after you. the fight's over and you go to McDonald's, where's that meat coming from on the cow? It's, I don't even know where it's coming from. It's probably come from the bones and then they fucking mix it up. <laughs> Some nasty meat smoothie. I don't know, man. That's I think it is. It's like all the scraps. For, it's, I think it's from the, honestly, I think it's like the scraps in the meat factories that they use. That's my understanding. It tastes good as hell, though. Yeah, no, yeah. They get the seasons and the flavors and the artificial shit, but I don't eat that shit. Dude, McDonald's is hidden. Me and after this fight, I'll take you, Mr. Rosa. Me and you. The, there's some good seafood out of seabrook i'm sure too oh yeah he digs right in the backyard there's clam flats yeah hey listen you guys probably gotta run soon so i want to bang out two more quick questions cool um how was you how's negotiating your contract different than like a rookie contract for you now because you're what is this your ninth ufc fight yeah uh, sixth yeah six so yeah so, um, so you're not on like a rookie contract basis anymore um, no, I mean, they, that's my manager's job. He just negotiates my contract. He tries to get me the most, most money he can. And that's pretty much what I do. And that's just his job specifically. My, like I said, my job is fighting. So as long as I'm winning fights, I'm getting paid more and I'm building my brand. Everything goes good. And then uh, you just delegate all that work. Yeah. You, you gotta, you know what I mean? Cause I, I you know, I try to get specialists and everything like with coaches, with management, everything, everything has to be specified. I, try to get the best of everything in the world if i want the best muay thai you go to thailand you want the best jiu-jitsu you get a brazilian world champion to teach you you want the best boxing you get an olympic gold medalist you know coach or something to teach you you want you hang with mark de la Grate, right yeah, hell yeah dude yeah exactly the beast like that. i love that guy dude yeah so it's, it's the way you do things and I, I that's the way i do things anyways have you noticed um have you noticed there's a crossover between business and fighting in, in what you've done in terms of like disciplines and execution yeah well that's the one thing i learned from fighting i learned from fighting is the most valuable lesson you can learn in life is that if you work hard at something and you don't give up and you put a hundred percent of your effort into it and i'm not saying like a lot of effort i mean a hundred percent of your effort like you spend every second of your day like you said i don't stop thinking about fighting i don't stop and you spend every second doing everything you can possibly do to do it i truly believe you could do anything and that's honestly i, I like totally feel the same way i feel like you literally can force anything into existence. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy as it sounds, but like if you really want something, if you spend every second of the day doing it and you're not even sleep, like you could say, oh, don't even sleep. Like you just, if you do it all day long until you pass out and then you wake up and do it, those are guys that are world champions. You know, those are the guys that are successful, multi billion dollar people usually. Some people get Obsessive, lucky, but <laughs> for sure. Me and you are going to die young, though, man. Yeah, I uh, hope not. <laughs> My brain's on overload. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, nonetheless, I had a great... Here, let's get some kids pumped about the fight. Give us a little preview for the fight, and then we'll send you guys on your way, get you some new gear. Cool. Come on, that fist is scaring me. Stop doing it. (laughs) Yeah, man. Well, definitely everybody tune in Friday night, October 18th, TD Garden. This will be coming out tomorrow. So, tomorrow night. Tomorrow. Right, tomorrow night's the weigh-ins. Well, so I'm saying this podcast is going to drop tomorrow. Okay. I got you. So, tomorrow night, tune in. ESPN Live, UFC Boston, TD Garden. I'll be fighting Manny Bermudez in the feature prelim bout on ESPN. So everyone tune in and watch me shine. Charles is a great guy. Manny's a great guy too. Ah, I'm so divided. Nonetheless, this is how we start and end the yeah. episode. Hey, did you have fun? Yeah, definitely, man, okay, for sure. Well.
Thank you for coming, man. Thanks, brother. So this is how we start in the, the episode. You say, hi, I'm blank, your name, yep. and this is my golden hour. Okay. Directly after no break, hi, I'm blank, and that was my golden hour. I'll just do the first one and do the second one after. Exactly. Okay. But put, your, put that Boston Strong sauce on it, baby boy. All right. Hey, what's up, guys? Charles Rosa, and this is Boston. What is it? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hi. Hi. I'm blank, and this is oh, my hi. golden hi. hour. Then hi, I'm blank, and that was my golden hour. Right. And Charles came through here dripping with a nicely feathered haircut. Always on point. And these roses, man, they got something in the water. I don't know what's going on with these roses. Wait, say that again. The golden podcast. Oh, good God, dude! I'm fucking hyper. I go. My name. Hi, I'm blank, and this is my golden hour. Okay. Wait, wait. Don't and say. Hi, it I'm blank, and that. Stop. Stop. All right. Say first thing. Hi, my name's Charles Rosa, and this is the golden hour. Blew it. Totally blew it. <laughs> dude, fucking say it again. Hi, I'm blank. No, I'm Charles Rosa. Go. And this. Is my golden oh, hour. My golden hour. Right. Hi, I'm blank, and that was my golden hour. Okay. Hi, I'm Charles Rosa, and this is my golden hour. Bang. Hi, I'm Charles Rosa. This was my golden. No, hour. no, no. God damn it, Charles. What the fuck do you say? This dude, is... I haven't eaten a fucking carb in two weeks. <laughs> right? This is. Well, honestly, I haven't either. Right. <laughs> I'm with the fighters. I shouldn't your fault. be. <laughs> this is, and that was. This is, and that was. And actually, now that we're here, I got one more question that I know I, I was going to miss. Are you, I think you're fucking with me right now. I'm going I'm to have to send the fist over. First off, I'm not going to look at your dad again because that fist <laughs> is totally ringing in my mind right now. That thing is massive. Nonetheless, this is, this that is. was. Also, real quick, is there ageism in the UFC? Someone told me to ask that age limit age ageism you started in your career when you're like 23 yeah can fighters start when they're later yeah i think i just feel like yeah they definitely can i mean you could start when you're any age you know what i'm saying that they allow you to fight but i think i didn't start till i was 23 and that was definitely a late start but now i think i mean i think my my dad was gonna fight when he was like 43 he was on the same card as me scheduled to fight and the guy backed out but yeah i mean he you so, were gonna fight and that uh, same mma card as me oh really <laughs> oh my god so yeah dude that's it you heard it you can fight anytime yep any advice for anybody who wants to get into it later who might have some sort of athletic ability um no nah, you can do it you can do anything you set your mind to that's my advice motivational speech my god charles all right now execute let's go come on you're a good fighter but are you a good speaker this is my golden hour that was my golden hour you got it okay my name is charles boston strong rosa this is my golden hour bang and then my name is charles boston strong rosa this was my golden hour charles listen (laughs) you're blowing it (laughs) this is that was what the fuck are you saying? That was that was just say it. You, say what you want me to say. Hi, I'm Charles Rosa, and this is my golden hour. Then break. Hi, I'm Charles Rosa, and that was my golden hour. All right. You got it, bro. <laughs> this is all time. <laughs> no, well, you guys, whenever you get the chance after the fight, go back through our YouTube page. Okay, About I go, go, 2% go, go, go. of people get this right. Hi, this is Charles Rosa. This is my golden hour. Hi, this is Charles Rosa. That was my golden hour.
That was executed. All right, let's go. Good work. <laughs> hey, watch him. Can you hit the space bar? <laughs>